section 88 is a doozy it's super long but um, there's a lot of things in here there's like different uh, sections to it that kind of help us understand different concepts the Lord is teaching them and there's uh it's kind of broken down in the chapter heading like different verses and what they are some of the the more impactful things for me were the way that they talk about the way the Lord describes light and how the light of Christ is I mean it's a it's a metaphor but at the same time it's like do you realize that the light of Christ the gospel truth and the spirit they steer the universe like literally steer the universe that everything is in its sphere because it was placed there by the power of God and everything does its what it's supposed to do by the power of God and light is shared between everything and that light is not just a metaphorical like knowledge and love it's also like literal light and so just kind of that that comparison was really really cool to me how you know he's he's making these comparisons between um the light of truth and the light of christ and also celestial bodies and how they move and how they reflect it and how they uh, impact us and so it's just it's just really interesting to me because it's like there's a bridged gap here it feels like between the spiritual and a little bit of the scientific where it's like yeah you want to know how this all works the power of god is how this all works right yeah so we i there's something in the doctrine covenant that for me it's interesting because there's almost like these synonyms between certain words like light and power intelligence you know and then even priesthood has been used to mean also intelligence or knowledge and so it's the way god explains like the sun and um and the stars and and the purpose of the earth like that the earth itself has a glory and that it has uh like needs to has a measure of its creation like it has a a purpose and and then you know all the way down just jumping down just a hair where it says verse 48 and 49 where it says i say unto you he had seen him nevertheless he came unto his own and was not comprehended and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended not nevertheless the day shall come when you shall comprehend even god being quickened in him and by him the fact that just the the visual imagery of light in darkness how they almost seem to be opposites when you shine light in darkness all the darkness goes away there is no darkness and the fact that as light is shown shined the darkness cannot comprehend the light because they cannot abide in the same space at the same time so there's no way you can comprehend each other right you know? and then he uses kind of that to build upon the fact that we just like that we cannot comprehend god in his ways but we can reach a point where we can't comprehend so how do we gain light you know and and then he kind of goes into like the degrees of glory you know all those kind of <clears> things <throat> and then the laws like if you can in in that we've heard this terminology like um let's see uh, verse 28 they who are celestial spiritual receive the same body which was a natural body even you shall receive your bodies in the glory to be the glory of your bodies are quickened yea 
ye who are quickened by a portion of the celestial glory shall then receive the same even the fullness. And then 22, for he who is not able to abide a celestial law cannot abide a celestial glory. And I, I don't know, to me, I came back to that example. Like, if you shine light and you're like darkness, you cannot be in the same place. You cannot abide, you, even if you want to. So you have to come up to that light. You have to be, and, and that's where you can abide that glory. And part of being able to be with God is not just a desire. It's not just, are you allowed through the front gate? Do you have the right ticket? It's, can you be like him? Because only like him will you be able to be with him. You know what I mean? And I don't know, that really stuck out to me that the little example he showed of light and darkness, you know? Yeah, I think kind of expanding on that, um, in ver starting in verse 20, he's kind of talking about, later he's going to get into establish a house of order. He's going to tell them to establish a house of order. But I love how the Lord teaches us here because not only is he saying, I want you to establish a house of order later, but he's showing us how he's already done that in his realm. Starting with verse 20, the bodies who are of the celestial kingdom may possess it forever and ever for this is the, this intent was it made and created. And for this intent are they sanctified and they who are not sanctified through the law, which I have given unto you, even the law of Christ must inherit another kingdom, even that of a terrestrial kingdom or that of a celestial kingdom. For he who is not able to abide the law of a celestial kingdom cannot abide a celestial glory. And he cannot abide the law of a terrestrial kingdom cannot abide a terrestrial glory. And he who cannot abide the law of a celestial kingdom cannot abide a celestial glory. Therefore, he is not meet for a kingdom of glory. Therefore, he must abide a kingdom which is not a kingdom of glory. And I think what, it, what he's basically saying is you will be rewarded according to the law which you are capable of obeying. And it's interesting because I think a lot of times we look at laws as being restrictive and oftentimes people, you know, they say, oh, the gospel, I can't do this. I can't do that. And we've talked about that before on here where it's like these laws are given to us to help us live more freely, to live more happily so that we don't have to bind ourselves down with sin and with mistakes. And verse 36 says all kingdoms have a law given. Verse 38, and unto every kingdom is given a law, and unto every law there are certain bounds also and conditions. All beings who abide not in those conditions are not justified. And I just think about how many, how many times we hear, especially recently, about freedoms, personal freedoms, and I want the freedom to do whatever I want to do, and I don't want to have to follow what so-and-so or this group is telling me to do. And it's like, he says in 36, all kingdoms have a law given. There's no there's no realm in this universe where there's not some sort of law that dictates what we can and can't do. And freedoms cannot be confused with liberation from laws. Yeah, dude, you're on, you're on to something. <laughs> <laughs> there's two th two ways I view freedom. One is the freedom from like Book of Mormon, where it says freedom from subjugation, freedom right. from um you know bondage right you know? and in the scriptures a lot of freedom is tied to the freedom from death the freedom that christ brings through the atonement the freedom from sin from guilt from punishment you know then there's the freedom used in our current culture and and society which tends to be more like anarchy <laughs> You know, 
like the freedom to disregard, not be, not comply or be told to do anything, which I don't think that's freedom. I think that is a misunderstanding of what freedom means, because you also, if you're, if it's almost like if you're truly free, you're only as free as you won't abuse other individuals or hurt them, you know? Um, and then in verse 37, that one, that one kind of blew my mind a little bit where it says, and there are many kingdoms and there is no space in which there is no kingdom. Yeah. And there is no kingdom in which there is no space, either greater or a lesser kingdom. So we're learning about three of them, the celestial, telestial, and terrestrial, right? Or terrestrial, telestial. And he's saying, now, in all things, there everything is categorized, and to each category or kingdom, there's a certain expectation and law given. And then this is similar to in the book of Abraham, where the Lord, I mean, is it Moses or Abraham? Where he's showing him, I think it's Moses. We show him all the creation, it says, worlds without number have I created. And you won't be able to understand or comprehend any of it, but they are numbered unto me. You know what I mean? This kind of feels like it's the same principle he's saying here, but differently. Could it also mean that by telling us you're going to be rewarded according to the obedience, like the kind of law that you follow, that essentially he's extending that, he's telling us, these kingdoms don't first come up after you die and after the resurrection. These kingdoms are now. The way you're acting, you're placing yourself in a kingdom right now. The, the, the things that you choose to follow, the, the degree to which you're obedient to the commandments, you are either living in a celestial kingdom or a celestial kingdom or a terrestrial kingdom lifestyle right now. And yeah, we're not exalted, right? We haven't received all of the blessings of each one of those kingdoms. But basically, like... There's no place where this these laws don't apply. There's no places where this does not affect you. It's not like, oh, I can do whatever I want, however I live here on Earth, and then someday I'll get filtered into one of these places. He's saying, no, you're kind of doing it now. How you're choosing to live now, that will decide where you go. So right now, you are living within the realms of those kingdoms. You're choosing where you're going to be. There is no place that those kingdoms don't exist. Right. And so when I think about that, it's like, well, we think about the judgment and at the judgment, I'll find out where I'm going to go. It's like, no, you make those choices now. Now is the time to prepare to meet God. Right. You're not saying, oh, I'll, at the later in my life, I'll make some changes so that I can be inherit the celestial kingdom. Or I hope I don't slip up and end up falling off the wagon and end up in the celestial kingdom. No, no, no. You are the one who decides. You dictate. That's the freedom you have. What kind of law am I going to abide by? Am I going to abide? Am I? Am I? Is it sufficient to me to abide by a celestial law? Am I satisfied by that? Or is it sufficient a terrestrial law? Or am I going to demand the most out of myself and try to live a celestial law? So, I always thought that that what you just explained was difficult like ridiculous even at times because i would say why wouldn't everyone just say i want to be celestial and doo -doo -doo. how can you want less how can you want and then i grew up and <laughs> i met other people and particularly when you see individuals 
that have great potential but are satisfied not doing more or want things done for them or develop such habits, bad habits, that they lose the desire or the drive to do good things. Like I always thought that, like for example, with individuals that, that are kind of like doing bad things, like hurting people and, and things like that, I always thought, well, and, and sometimes there is, some of that happens because they're straight up crazy, you know? And, and we can say, when we can't understand a behavior, we tend to say, well, there must be something like an imbalance or something. And some of that is true, but it wasn't always that case. Sometimes little actions over a long period of time can lead you to become a slave to the natural man. And you lose that light of Christ. You lose like your conscience. It's almost like in the Book of Mormon when, when Lehi talks about Laman and Lemuel, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord ceased to strive with them. And it was... It wasn't overnight. It occurred, all of these little murmurings, all of that, do we really have to? I mean, if I must, and, and it's like, and I feel like what this Lord's trying to sell us, tell us here in this life is, I'm not here to micromanage you, <laughs> you know? And I'll help you, and I'll guide you, and I'll be your God if you have me, but you have to seek, you have to use your agency. It's like an exercise or like a muscle, but you have to use your agency. And as you use that agency, your capacity to do and see increases. And now, guess what? You have to use more agency. It's not like there isn't an agency cruise control button that you can just be like, oh, I did it once. I'm good. That's it. No, it's it's almost like, uh, what's the law? The Was it Murphy's Law or Moore's Law? The law where, like, like about entropy, like how, the oh, maybe it's the law of entropy, how the, <laughs> Everything moves to disorder yeah. unless a greater a greater power will organize it. And it's the same with our house, with your room. You could have it spotless and just living there will naturally move it to disorder. So you have to constantly organize. But you could have an orderly house always. And I think it's the same thing with our spirit and our talents and our personality. It's like you have to prune things up. You have to actively cultivate good habits and behaviors and then you are led to this place where we call sanctification you know where it's no longer habits it's who you are and i think the inverse is true if you allow little bad habits then you can get to a point where you lose kind of like your conscience and you can do things that are just horrible to people or, or yourself you know or you get this attitude of like uh, I'm just a, I'm just kind of a bit of a rebel, and God knows me. He knows that, you know, I'm, I'm just that way. You know, it's like I, I hear that kind of romanticized notion of rebel without a cause, and you know, God will, will have to reach way down to pull me up, and all this stuff. And it's like that's so unappealing to me. Like it just feels like, what? Why are you celebrating that? Why not be better? Why not excel? Why not try to be the best you you can be instead of being like, well, that's just how I am. You know, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it really other than it, I just get this vibe sometimes from people. Where they're like, they're, they're somehow exceptional in the sense that 
uh, some people are just naturally good and I'm not one of those. I got to, Lord's got to really work on me. And it's like, no, everyone is that way. Do you not understand? Like everyone is that way. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, there's a difference between having faith and hope in finding, you know, like, like being content that you're on the path yeah. and, and being patient and realizing that you have flaws. And then there's another one where it's like, that's it. I don't think I, like, I don't want to try anymore. Like, you know, like complacent. Like, I'm just going to buy, I'm going to, my wife, I'm just going to hang on to her coattails, you know, and <laughs> I'll get there. Like, like that kind of thing. And it's like, well, but, but like you said, it's everybody. We all have issues in our, in, in, and it's like, whatever your issue is, one, acknowledge it, talk to the Lord about it, and do the best you can, and you'll be okay. You know, I, I honestly believe that. I think it's when we buy into comparison or we think, oh, I, I need to be perfect overnight, and, and we drive either too hard to, like, an ideal that's not real, or you become so hard on yourself that you feel like the gospel and the Lord can save everyone except you. You know, yeah. and that's two extremes that aren't where we should be. Uh, just going back real fast. Verse 11, where he says, uh, and the light which shineth, which giveth you light is through him that enlightens your eyes, which is the same light that quickens your understanding. This this term of quickening your understanding or quickening your body or quickening, it sounds very much like there is there is help. You're not in this alone. God isn't giving you, you know, these instructions and then, hey, see you later. Good luck. I think this quickening is when we, and I, I think it happens through the Holy Spirit of promise, as he says, that you're you're given help. And then in 12, where it says, which light proceedeth forth from the presence of God to fill the immensity of space, the light which is in all things, which giveth life to all things, which is the law by which all things are governed, even the power of God who sitteth upon his throne, who's in the bosom of eternity, who's in the midst of all things. Go ahead. This makes me think of black matter, of dark matter. Okay. Like, science is trying to explain just things that they can't really understand. It's all theoretical. And the scriptures are like, yeah, good luck with that. This is the power of God. <laughs> like, <laughs> good luck trying to explain, explain this mathematically. Um, the thing that makes all this work is the power of God. It's for me, I often think about like evolution or like animals. Like we can understand sometimes how, but we can't understand why. Yeah. You know, why does a cell always want to replicate? Why does a life form want, have the desire not to die? <laughs> you know, to, to procreate, to, to, you know, do all these things. And it's <clears throat> almost like, I can, maybe it's a nerdy thing of like the age we live in, but you know, I look at it a lot like code, like in a video game, <laughs> all this code is written that says the trees will behave this way and they'll do these things and they'll replicate and then you leave it. And then you, we have the ability now to have huge physics engines for various scenarios where you can have simulations when you can say, these are the rules we give this, the wind, and this is the structure integrity we give these bridge. And based on these components, let's see how much 
through the scenario, how much wind will take to topple over this bridge? Or how much sway can we build into it? And given certain parameters, you can get really accurate simulations that then are good for us to design bridges and to see, hey, you know, and back in the day, they probably had to do that all by hand through math. Now they can do a lot of it through computers. They have to build those models and, you know, create all those rules and it's not that easy. But when you start getting into a sense, like if God is greater than us, could he do something similar with our earth and say, here are the rules, here's the parameters here. And in order to have these values, we need to put you in a solar system that is this big with these planets around you with the moon. And that gives you the exact values for you to have like the simulation, you know? No, something along those lines is actually in verse 25 when it's talking about laws again. And it says, and again, verily I say unto you, the earth abideth the law of a celestial kingdom, for it filleth the measure of its creation and transgresseth not the law. Wherefore, it shall be sanctified, yea, notwithstanding it shall die, it shall be quickened again, and shall abide the power by which it was it is quickened, and the righteous shall inherit it. The earth is following the parameters. It's following the rules set up by God and will not break those rules. Um, there's a few times in the scriptures where the earth is referred to as a living, breathing thing, right? When the Savior was crucified, it talks about how the earth moaned. And, you know, it, there are a couple times in the scriptures it talks about how the, it, the iniquities of the people caused the earth to roll and moan. And it's kind of interesting because this thing that's been created by God for us to live on uh, kind of has this uh, measure of its creation. It's meant to be the place where we carry out our test, but it also will be sanctified and it will be the place it becomes a celestial kingdom. And so it, it's just kind of interesting how it, it addresses that, where it's like, it it abideth the celestial law too. There is no place where there is no law, right? It's really cool because you kind of get a hint of how God does things. And it's still all magical and a miracle to me, you know? Yeah. But the great invitation in this chapter or this section is, you can know these things. You will know them and you can grow to be like God. And and that's kind of the gist of it is he's setting up the school of the prophets. He's telling them, now you need to seek greater knowledge, you know? And part of me, as I read this entire thing, I thought, I wonder if this, this school of the prophets is kind of a template on how the Quorum of the Twelve and the First Presidency counsel and interact and learn from each other. You know, I'm sure this is still in there because there's kind of like the washing of the feet covenant that occurs at the end of this or not covenant, but is it, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's a ritual or covenant. I don't know. And, um, and that one seems to, it, it's just, it's, it's really interesting for me because I look at the quorum and when they speak of each other, they hold each other in the highest praise and steam, you know? They're very united, but they're very different individuals and they have different assignments and they're always changing assignments and everyone's happy and everybody's growing and becoming better. And it's kind of a pattern for us in our, you know, for us also an example. And I, I don't know. I, I just think it's it's interesting because, you know, we go from. The gospel is a gospel of invitation. An example to now that you want to know 
you need to make some covenants. And now the expectation is you follow these specific commandments. And now once you follow these commandments, continue to look deeper into why we do these things and seek to understand more. I often feel like religion falls short with a lot of individuals when it feels like God just wants to make you a slave for him. <laughs> right. You know, and this is very liberating because it's saying you're not meant to be a slave. You're not meant to be less. You are less and, and you're dumb a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> but he's trying to lift you up. He's trying to make you more. I think you can't in verse... Forget verse 15 oh. real fast. The spirit yeah. and the body are the soul of man. It's a huge thing. I think that was that's a big. Uh, big restoration. Uh, clarification. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the it doesn't get much clearer than that to tell people. This is how this works. I mean, people talk about spirit, they talk about soul and a lot of other religions, but there's some ambiguity as to what the soul is and all that. And he's basically saying, you're two parts, you're a body and a spirit, right? And it seems really simple, but that's really uh, an important clarification to make. In verse 77, he says, and I give unto you a commandment that you shall teach one another the doctrine of the kingdom. Teach ye diligently and my grace shall attend you. That you may be instructed more perfectly in theory, in principle, in doctrine, in the law of the gospel, and all things that pertain unto the kingdom of God that are expedient for you to understand. We hear a lot of times the Lord telling us, you need to know the doctrine. What does that mean? To me, it means understanding what you profess to believe. It means not just understanding what the gospel is, but also the why. OK, so when we go to the temple, you know what to do there. When you go to church, you know what to do there. But why are we doing it? Why does it matter? The big so what question at the end of every lesson should be, OK, so this is why this is what Nephi did. This is what uh, Christ did and taught. Why? So what? Who cares? You know, why does it matter? That's what we need to know. That's what we need to be striving for. So many people can you know, zombie their way through a lifetime of just doing what they're supposed to do without ever understanding the why. And it's not deep doctrine. It's not delving into the why. Why do we, you know, take the sacrament with the right hand instead of the left? It, th that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is understanding the principles behind our actions and how many times that the brethren have said, we're going to do away with this thing. We're going to change the temple ceremony a little bit. We're going to do this and that. Why? Because that stuff didn't matter. And we want to simplify it. And we really want to get down to the root of why we do things and the purpose behind it. And that, that to me is so important. It's not just knowing what the scriptures say. It's doing it. And it's knowing why they say what they say, right? It's not just being aware of, of the commandments, but understanding how that applies to us and understanding how our obedience can lead us to greater happiness. That's the doctrine. That's what knowing the doctrine means. I think a lot of people get caught up in just studying things to know it. And it, that's great. But if you just know it and you don't know why, you don't really apply it. It's just knowledge, but not the right kind, you know? Yeah, I think it. sometimes I I used to think, why does it have to work like this? Why can't God just tell us? Just tell <laughs> us the answers to our prayers immediately. Just tell us this. Tell us everything. Just, like, come down and tell us all the time everything we need to do and let's just do it. Well, that's a good way of not developing people, actually. 
You know, it's it's almost as if when the Savior was with the apostles and he says, hey, I need to go. I need to go to the Father. For your sakes, I need to go. And that always perplexed me because I'm like, wouldn't it be the happiest thing just to have you around? No, I need to go for your sakes. And I've thought about that for a really long time. And where I end up is we were there. We we were in the pre-existence with the Father and the Savior. And we, 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 we couldn't develop any more until we could exercise our own agency, until we could make our own decisions. And we cannot make our own decisions unless we are in a place that has faith and doubt, that has good and bad, that has knowledge and ambiguity and the opposite of knowledge, ignorance, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And and that's why we're here. And that's why the pattern is like this. That's why you have to search the scriptures. That's why you have to think about these things. That's why you're commanded to ponder and to pray and to keep in your heart these things all the time. And then to look around your life and see how do these patterns that I see in my life fit in the gospel? And where do my choices and my actions and and when I see things that don't fit, like how do I deal with that? How do I find out more information? How do I gain more understanding? And then just even the seasons of our lives from from being young and being concerned about toys to being older, thinking you know everything, to being married and, and having to worry about others, you know, and to having kids and then finding greater happiness in the happiness of others than in your own happiness. The, and you start feeling different things and your mind starts to think, you know what, there's more to feel and to understand than I think there is, you know, and and that's why we have to walk by faith and we have to have our agency. We have to use it. And that's why it has to be like this. That's why he has to go for our benefit. But he says, I won't leave you alone. I'll give you the Holy Ghost. So as you exercise that agency, you'll get reassurance when you're doing what's right. It took it's taken me a long time to understand why that's good for us. Because initially, I almost always would want, oh, we want the Savior here. Why doesn't he, he just take over and he's the president of the United States? Why doesn't he just mm-hmm. tell everybody what to do? Why don't he just answer our prayers immediately? Well, if we do that, we're really limiting our growth. Yep. As wonderful as that is, you know, and that sounds really weird to say, right? But, you know, but we're heading that way. We're going to that, to that you know, and it talks about that in here. Well, he gets in into talking about um, kind of establishing the school of the prophets, but there's a few things in there that really stood out to me. In verse 79, of all things, both in heaven and earth and under the and under the earth, things which have been, things which are, things which must shortly come to pass, things which are at home, things which are abroad, the wars and the perplexities of the nations, and the judgments which are on the land, and a knowledge also of countries and of kingdoms, that ye may be prepared in all things. When I shall send you again to magnify the calling whereunto I have called you and the mission which I have commanded you. This is interesting to me. Be aware of things. Um, be aware of the world around you. Be informed so that you can be infe- effective missionaries. Don't don't say this is all I've ever known. This is the best thing ever. Nothing else matters. Everything else is inferior. You need to know about stuff. It's OK. And you need to know about it even says there the perplexities of nations. Also of countries and kingdoms. So that when I send you those places, you're not alienating everyone around you and you're not also, you know, pretending like, oh, I'm coming to bestow knowledge upon you. 
know about them so that you can know how to address them so that you can be uh, an effective missionary among them. Well, I think also so you can know how good God governs, you know, yeah. when you start understanding the way he leads, you know, and how sometimes one of the best things that can happen when people have hurt you is just for you to understand that you don't want to do that to someone else. Sometimes when bad things happen to you and, and people in power abuse their power or deceive you or people that are supposed to be your friend or your, your spouse or, or something and they hurt you, sometimes it's hard to find meaning in that. And like, why would something terrible like this happen? And some of that, you sometimes you just need to tuck that away to where if I'm ever in a position like that, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to hurt others because I know what that feels like. Along the lines that you were saying in verse 118, where he says, and, and as all have not faith, seek ye diligently and teach one another words of wisdom and seek ye out of the best books, words of wisdom, seek learning even by study and also by faith, organize yourself, prepare every needful thing and establish a house, even a house of prayer, a house of fasting, a house of faith, a house of learning, a house of glory, a house of order, a house of God that your incomings may be in the name of the Lord, that your outgoings may be in the name of the Lord, that all your salutations may be in the name of the Lord with uplifted hands unto the Most High God. So oftentimes we feel like we're told that we try to separate religion and scholarly. What's the term for it? Academic. There's a term. Yeah, academics, there's no one. No, I don't know. Whatever. We try to separate religion and academia, you know, and things. And they're, in an essence, one in the same. Take the best out of everything. When you have a good foundation, you can see correct principles yep. and adopt those correct principles and let them add onto your knowledge, you know? The way I see it is this. If God is all-knowing, then the more we learn, the more we know, the more we're like him. That's why education is so important. And I'm not saying, you know, that it's reserved only for a college education and upper, you know, terminal degrees and stuff like that. But that's part of it. I think uh, there's a really awesome quote by President Hinckley. He said, it's so important that you young men and you young women get all the education you can. The Lord has said very plainly that his people are to gain knowledge of countries and kingdoms and of things of the world through the process of education, even by study and by faith. Education is the key which will unlock the door of opportunity for you. It is worth sacrificing for. It is worth working at. And if you educate your mind and your hands, you will be able to make a great contribution to the society of which you are a part, and you will be able to reflect honorably on the church of which you are a member. My dear young brothers and sisters, take advantage of every educational opportunity that you can possibly afford. And your fathers and you fathers and mothers encourage your sons and daughters to gain an education which will bless their lives. I think it goes beyond, oh, I got to get a good job, got to get a good education. No, it's bigger than that. It's so much bigger than that because your education should not stop when you get a job. Your education should never stop and it should be multifaceted. He's talking here about spiritual learning. He's talking about temporal learning. All of it matters. And like I said, the more you learn, the more you know, the more you become like God, the more you come closer to him and you understand how things connect and you understand how things are influenced by other things and how 
you know, I may not have understood that before, but now that I've learned this gospel principle or this temporal principle, I see how those things relate to each other. That is so important to understanding your position in this life, your position in the eternities. There is no place where that isn't relevant, right? It's relevant here and it will be relevant after this life too. All of it matters. Well, you just explained kind of to me re- is kind of the way I view sanctification. Yeah. Sanctification is taking something that's ordinary, maybe even mundane, and doing it in a way that now it becomes holy. Now it becomes more than what it is. It's not just printing a program and handing out to people. It's letting people know how to how our house, the house of prayer, is going to be organized today when you come worship the Lord. It's it's taking something to the next level. And you can do that with everything. You can do that with math. You can do that with if you want to learn cooking. If you, if you want to, you know, it's all you are in. We just were told that all these things are held together by the power of God. So where can we feel his power and, and do his work? In all things we do that are righteous and we sanctify ourselves and sanctify our actions with along with the learning just takes me back to second Nephi chapter 9 verse 28 27 28 where it says but woe unto him that has a law given yea that has all the commandments of God like unto us and that transgresses them and that wastes the day of his probation for awful is his state oh the cunning plan of the evil one oh the vainness and the frailty and the foolishness of man when they are learned, they think they are wise, and they hearken not unto the counsel of God. For they set aside, supposing they know of themselves. Wherefore, their wisdom is foolishness, and it profiteth them not, and they shall perish. But to be learned is good, if they hearken unto the counsel of God. And this is along the lines of what we're talking about, that you need to understand that one is we shouldn't waste our time of our probation, especially when the law is given to you, when you know better. Don't waste your time. And two, when you start learning things, you're going to be tempted to think you know everything about that <laughs> and that maybe you should be done learning or maybe you shouldn't listen to God's counsel because now I know how uh, photosynthesis works. And so therefore, you know, God couldn't have created this because I know, you know, we become fools. We think we know so much, therefore we don't need God. And if you ever think that, Read section 88 again and and just read it and understand that we don't know everything. And it well, is a process, right? Yeah, and every, every experience I've ever had where I've learned a lot, the more knowledge I've gained, the more I've realized how much I don't know, how little I really know. It, you start delving into a topic and you're like, okay, now I know this, but this opens up 15 other questions. Um, also, in verse 122, there's a really important concept here that I really like. It says, appoint among yourselves a teacher and let not all be spokesmen at once, but let one speak at a time and let all listen unto his sayings, that when all have spoken, that all may be edified of all, and that every man may have an equal privilege. See that ye love one another, cease to be covetous, learn to impart one to another as the gospel requires. To me, this means there, someone's appointed as a teacher, but that doesn't mean that this person is the only one that has any say in the learning experience. Everyone should be allowed to participate. Diversity of voice, diversity of, of perspective is necessary. 
we need to know what everyone understands and what everyone feels about things. And that the second verse in 123, uh, see that you love one another. Remember that even though you may all have different perspectives, remember that that's the, the first principle. Second, cease to be covetous and learn to impart one to another as the gospel re requires. It is your re requirement, it is your responsibility as a follower of this gospel to share one with another. And it's not just charity. Be charitable with your knowledge. Be charitable with other people's knowledge. Be charitable with your time. Give someone else a chance to explain something to you. Be charitable with that. Don't just go in there and say, this is what I know, this is what I believe, and you can't change my mind. No, be charitable enough to say, I don't know what you think about this. Let me know. Tell me, what do you think? How do you, you feel know, about this? We, we lo I love living in the time we live because of technology, microchips, screens, OLED, pixels, all that stuff. I love it. But it's all here because people share knowledge and it's built on the backs of others. Knowledge is the only thing you can give that multiplies, you know, and allows others to take it even further. You know, it's the whole premise of all of these uh, scientific papers and studies and trials that people do and they share it with each other. So now you know, don't do it this way. So then somebody can do it a different way and get it right in, in advance and, and make, and, and that's the thing with, especially with gospel knowledge, the more you share it, the better world you're making, the better neighbors you'll have, the better people. It's a weird thing how we have, we can be very tempted to hoard knowledge so we can be the only important being, so we can be the best. So everything has to come through me, okay? You listen, I know it all, you don't, you know? And it's like, look at what the Savior and Heavenly Father, look at this section all together. Look at the entire thing. What is he saying is, I wanna give you all this knowledge. So prepare yourself and begin with this pattern. And eventually you'll know everything. The person in the universe who knows the most wants to give us all that knowledge. You know, and it might be for the same reasons that we would want to do that so we can make a better place so we can find happiness with those people. Yep. And if if anyone out there has a, a church calling or they're an instructor of any kind, let me offer this one piece of advice as I've had, you know, the opportunity to teach a lot in the church. And I think it's because the Lord wanted me to learn a lot. It wasn't because I knew so much. But let me offer this advice. You're a facilitator. You're not meant to stand up there and just pontificate on things and teach everyone how much vast knowledge you have. I think that was kind of an approach that people took a, a generation ago. Let's put brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so there because they know so much and they can teach us all. But we're you need to be a facilitator. You need to stand up there and yeah, you may be a teacher that's been appointed among them. But then it says, let not all men be spokesmen at once, but one speak at a time and let all listen unto his sayings. That when all have spoken, that all may be edified of all. Allow people to say their piece. Allow, don't, don't structure your lesson in such a way that people don't have a chance to participate. Don't structure your lesson, lesson in such a way that, you know, you can't, you have too much rigidity to allow some fluid in conversation and allow it to stray from what you were originally going to talk about. You know, let, let people participate let them ha have their say so that maybe you learn something too i promise you you will i i learn something every time i teach i, I go in there thinking i'm gonna you know here's the path i want to take and a lot of times it sticks that way sometimes it doesn't and i always come out of there feeling 
like I've learned more than anybody else. So I think that that, that principle of like allowing people being charitable with time and with your knowledge and also allowing others to do the same. That's a super important principle for us to become better.